I was in the middle of a thought when I was making that recording earlier this evening and I got cut off. And I use my phone for making podcasts and also taking phone calls, of course. And when someone rings, I get chopped off. So I got chopped off. It was by my brother, actually, so it was pleasantly chopped off. And uh, he was ringing me to let me know that he's off to Broken Hill tomorrow. Um, I'm pretty jealous about that. I wouldn't mind. Be, I wouldn't mind going. I haven't been to Broken Hill before. Uh, I've been to Coobabidi, but I haven't been to Broken Hill. All right. Um, they have a camel race there. Okay. Uh, he broke his foot very badly not too long ago. My cousin broke his arm. Uh, just recently too, uh, over in London. Uh, now, my brother broke his ankle, um, just, and it twisted and, you know, a big mess, and he had to have, he's got titanium plates in there, don't, you know, my goodness, uh, the way he broke his ankle, if we didn't have modern, uh, well, modern Western medicine, really, which is now, Modern world medicine. Uh, people are very critical of modern Western of Western medicine, but if I've got a broken ankle the way my brother broke his ankle, uh, I want Western medicine and Western technology. You know, titanium plates and all these sorts of things. Now it's not Western medicine anymore because the whole world's taken it on, and it's not Western technology anymore because the whole world's taking it on, taking it on, and a lot of other parts of the world are doing it better than the West now, and good on them too. And it's not mod, not Western science anymore, it's world science. But the West started it all. Is it? As I say, is it? Uh, I could easily challenge that statement I just made. Because no one really ever starts anything, do they? Uh, don't we all leverage off someone else? You know, so surely Western science leverages off things that went before. Uh, so it would go back and back and back to the chimpanzees, wouldn't it? Um, and you know, and the chimpanzees, not the chimpanzees, you know, but. Whatever our ape uh, ancestors, oh, ancestors were. I always say, yeah, I always jokingly say, we go back and back and back to the chimpanzees. Um, but I don't mean literally back to chimpanzees. I mean back to whatever species of great ape we were. You know, which is probably some sort of cousin to the ancestor of whatever the chimpanzees are evolved from. Yeah. So when I, whenever I say, we go back and back and back to the chimpanzees and the chimpanzees taught us everything we know, I mean the great apes from which we are descended um, taught us everything we know. All right, so, as I say, the great apes... Um, Homo erectus invented Western medicine, if you want to go back far enough. Um, 
So, and by that logic, anybody along the line um, can claim to have. They started everything, didn't they? The the ancient um, ape-like creatures from which we descend. So, when it's always difficult to say, um, you know, Western medicine came from the West and Western science was invented by the West. You know, the science, science as we know it in the world was invented by the West. You know, I could challenge myself on that and say, no, no, Homo habilis um, started it all because the, he's our ancestor, you know, or the Neanderthals, you know, they had something to do with it too, you know. Maybe they invented fire and without that fire we couldn't have Western medicine, you know, things like that. Yeah, Or maybe the Greeks started Western medicine, you know, uh, because um, because we have a Hippocratic Oath or something like that, you know. Or maybe the great Islamic physicians of the Islamic Gold Age started Western medicine because there was a few notable ones there and I, I can't remember the, his name, but I think there was a, a really important one um, somewhere along the line, an Islamic um, physician who had who was pretty good at, you know, who started some sort of way of classifying things or whatever, I can't remember. Um, but um, Western medicine and Western science does, was some sort of explosion that um, accompanied the Enlightenment and all that sort of stuff, you know and the rise of technology and all sorts of things that were going... The rise of the scientific method and um, all that sort of stuff. They're, look, everything is based on something that went before, yes. Uh, but science as we know it, I don't mind saying that, uh, was, was something of an explosion um, that happened what you know in the in Europe <laughs> was it not yeah isn't that how Europe uh, became the biggest bastards in the world how did they become the biggest bastards in the world if they didn't have some sort of scientific and technological and philosophical explosion you know so you know, so in some, hmm, I haven't thought along these lines before, but if you if if the West became powerful enough to do all the bad things that we know that they did, if you want to hate the West for that, you kind of have to ask yourself how they managed to get the power to do that. You know, and that might be whatever I mean by Western science and Western medicine. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it. Um, if the West is a bastard, then it probably had some sort of explosion in science and technology and industrialization and all that sort of thing to allow it to be a bastard. Because I would guess that just about every 
Um, this is an old trope, isn't it? But any other culture in the world probably would have been a bastard too had they got such a jump on the rest of the world. All right, yeah, that's a possibility, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, whatever I was talking about, I will now get back to because you know, these are my little interruptions where I interrupt myself. The power of podcasting. Right, so my brother, um, he's going to Broken Hill tomorrow with my mum. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I was talking about. I was talking about he broke his ankle. So he's been, he was in a wheelchair. It was so bad for a while. Uh, but it's all better now. And he's in a moon boot, I think. And uh, he's been uh, confined, housebound for so long. Something like, what? Actually, I think it's been about two or three months. You know, it's a long recovery. And um, that... I think he has thought, and now he went to Tokemwall. He went up the Murray in the last week, he was telling me, and now he's going to Broken Hill. So I think he's, you know, now that he's uh, up and about again, I, th I think he just wants to be anywhere but home. <laughs> anyway, so he's gone tomorrow and he's going with my mum, our mother as well. She's going as well. All right. And she likes travelling around Australia too. They've done that before. They've been everywhere. Um over the years, um, kids, that's your uncle and that's your grandmother, um, gypsies, right, and, uh, and my cousin in London, he broke his elbow, now he had, he has a racing bike with, and he, and he, he was telling me he, he bought, um, he buys high range everything because that's his habit, he always buys the best of the best of everything, um, and, um, he bought cleats upon, on, on recommendation, cleats, you know, um, you know, that strap your foot into the pedals. And you're supposed to be able to just twist your foot a little bit. And um, and your foot is supposed to come free. So, you know, that's really important if you come to a set of lights and you need to stop, you need to put your foot down. Sounds pretty obvious enough. Anyway, he went to twist his foot and... His foot and the cleats jammed, and the cleat jammed. And that's bad um, because he was fully expecting, you know, automaton like, you know, automatically, um, you just take these things for granted. He was fully expecting his foot to come free as it should, and the cleat jammed, and he fell slowly to the ground, and um, his elbow went in first and pushed his bone, you know, um, in a very bad way, you know, like, um, so what's the type of fracture you have where the bone is pushed against itself, you know, not, not, is it transverse and lateral? Now let me think, transverse, you know, it's not a snap, like you might snap a twig, it's where you push a twig from the end so that it smashes that way. I think that's what he's done. And he is, he also has this huge, you know, he sent me the x-rays and the big plate and the screws and all that sort of stuff, and, you know. And again, I'm thinking, wow, you would have been disabled for the rest of your life if we were still doing Chinese medicine. All right, 
Um, oh, look, I'm not having a crack at ancient medicines. You know? In fact, ancient medicines, if they, if, if Western medicine or, you know, what we call world medicine now, you know, science, um, ancient remedies actually get included as Western medicine, uh, especially more and more these days as we're sort of opening our eyes and not looking for such a chemical um, solution to everything in the West. We got very excited about chemical solutions, you know, like drugs uh, for a while because the chemical solutions had such specs, had a few spectacular, had many spectacular wins uh, that we started to forget about using so, you know, we, we kind of ignored natural remedies and went running for more chemical ones, you know, the clever ones. But nowadays we're going more and more um, hunting about for natural remedies as well and trialling those under uh, under the scientific method, not the ancient trial and error method, but the... Um, you know, Western-style blind, double-blind trials and all those sorts of things, you know, um, which is um, science. Um, and as we know it, science, Western science, Western science. And, um, you know, someone might say, oh, such and, you know, remedy X, Y, Z, remedy X, Y, Z has healing properties, you know, um, and it's it's... Chinese medicine, but it's not Western medicine. But Western medicine is very tricky because what it does is, it's, oh, is that really, is that is that a fact? Yeah, and um, and then what Western medicine does is it grabs that remedy and tests it, yeah, uh, via the scientific method, you know, trials and all that sort of stuff, you know, um, and what, if it passes those tests, Western medicine says. It is now Western medicine, you know. We will give it, uh, we give it the five stars, and it is now Western medicine, you know. And um, you know, people might say, "Oh, but it's still Chinese medicine." We say, "Yeah, yeah, but it's Western medicine now." Yeah, we've taken it; it's ours now as well. So it's got a tick. It passes the test. It has passed the test. Has been passing the test to qualify as Chinese medicine for quite likely centuries, you know, millennia maybe. But, you know, in the last year and a half, it has also passed the test to qualify as Western medicine. So Western medicine is not in competition with um, other medicines, you know, like Eastern medicines and all every other medicine you can poke a stick at and Aboriginal, Indigenous Australian medicines and all those sorts of things. Um, Western medicine is not in competition with those medicines. In fact, as far as I understand it, Western medicine is um, up for grabs and open for offers on all of those medicines and is uh, at the ready to trial them. And if they pass our uh, standards, they become Western medicine, you know. So all other medicines are potential Western medicines. That's all. And 
I wonder if Chinese medicine does it, you know, and, um, you know, you get these sort of hippies, you know, um, who only use natural remedies. Oh, I wonder if it goes the other way, you know, when, and they grab some, sort of, you know, they grab Panadol and then they uh, test it to see if it's actually natural, if they can, if they can contrive to deem that natural and then include it in um, ancient, you know, as a, include it as a natural remedy. Who knows? All right. Uh, what was I talking about before? Oh, yes, because I got interrupted, didn't I? And I was talking about, um, oh yeah, the idea of theology and um, how theology is where you start with, um, you start with, a conclusion, as it were, um, you know, like a conclusion that God made the whole world or that nothing made the whole world, and then you make the force the evidence to fit. Ah, yes. Now, science is a good one for that, um, because science is the is um, about um, science. And I've chatted about this before. I don't know if it was in this podcast or not. Science, I like on this level because I think it's a form of theology, but only in only if it is approached from a certain direction and that direction being truth you know attaching the idea of truth to science you know which which is something i don't do you know um so i said before that you know a, a devout theist god you know a devout well let's say a christian muslim whatever you know um uh, would say that you know God exists. All right, we'll start with that premise, and then um, they would use logic, you know, to make yeah. You know, well, after you've after you've made the premise, everything you do after that can be logical, you know, as a, you know, and even logicians um, say that you know, if boom 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 then it makes sense that boom, 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 you know. So I th- I can't remember whether it was Socrates or someone said, if, and it doesn't matter if it's true, and this is an important point, if all cats have four legs, right? And Socrates says that. Imagine Socrates saying that to you, you know, and you might say, oh, but no, 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 Socrates, you know, not all cats, he'll stop you. If all, you know, cats have four legs he'll say you say but they don't not all cats he's saying no 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 you do this is how to think um you know we're doing this deliberately we're 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 making a wrong statement on purpose okay if all cats have four legs and by then you've twigged to what socrates is up to you say oh okay all right um if that's a fact says socrates and if i have a cat then my cat has four legs. And do you accept that as a logical statement? And um, and then you would say, yes, I would. So has your cat got four legs? And Socrates would say, no. <laughs> you know, because the premise was wrong. Okay. But, he said, it was a logical statement 
while it lasted, you know. So in and of itself, it made sense, you know, even though in practical terms, it didn't have to be true. So it was, you know, it was logical. Um, so God's like that, you know. If there is a God, would say someone like Socrates or Plato, if there is a God, then, um, who who made all things, you know, then all things were made by God, you know. And, you know, that's a circular argument. But the point is, within that uh, sort of logical statement, all things were made by God, you know, because it's premised on the idea that if God made all things, you know. So it's obviously completely circular. But that doesn't matter. The point is you've made complete sense within the sentence, you know. So that's how that works, you know. Um, and um, atheism the same, you know. If, if um, the universe just popped into existence from nothing, um, then the universe did. <laughs> yeah, I'm, being, I'm going overboard with my circularities there. But, you know, that's the logic. Now, the interesting one is science, you know, which says... If we are going to trust our senses, um, then whatever our senses tell us are... Now, I'm not going to say true, but true, you know. Right. If our senses say that speed equals distance over time, then... You know, you might be tempted to say that speed equals distance over time is a truth, you know, because our senses have have um, detected that, you know, um, many, many times over or something like that, you know. Right. And this is a whole, a whole big thing, you know. Okay. Now, um, if water never has been detected turning to wine. I'll leave that one alone. Right. Now, oh, this one is a tricky one to sort of get my head around. But if... Um, now, that's a premise that we're going to trust our senses um, in the pursuit of truth, if truth is what you're after. Okay? So if you might say... I am going to say, you know, you might do this. And I think this makes you just the same as an atheist or a theist if you're going to do this, if you're going to be this type of scientist. If you're going to say that whatever I can measure with my senses, I'm going to call that truth, okay? If you're that kind of scientist. Now, that will probably serve you well throughout your life, you know, because if you set out for um, Broken Hill, which might be what? a thousand kilometers away and you drive at 100 kilometers an hour you know that you'll get there in 10 hours right so what you call a truth will serve you well right and you you can live your life quite happily just like you know the um theist is living his life quite happily quite likely you you know you might say he's deluded you know um, but he's he's happy you're happy because you got to Broken Hill exactly when you thought you would. 
and um, you know, the atheist is happy because he can smugly sit back and call you all and say the theist is an idiot, you know. So everybody's happy, all right? So it doesn't really matter. The point is you're all starting with a premise, all right? Even you, Mr. Scientist, because you are saying that um, you will derive truth from what your senses can detect, you know. So you're a theist as well, a theist of sorts, but then I'm a other scientist, and I think these are true scientists. I don't think that scientist we just um, discussed right there is a is a good scientist, in my opinion, or not a good philosopher scientist anyway. Um, and on this this sort of stuff isn't coming out of my head. I've been listening to philosophers, you know. Otherwise, I would never have come up with these things on my own. Okay, so. Here's the sign, the type of scientist I like coming up. The type of scientist I like is not the sort of scientist who says, if I can reliably measure something with my senses, then I shall call that truth. You know, I don't like that kind of scientist. I like the sort of scientist who says something like, and I haven't even given any pre-thought to this, who says something like, and, and, and makes a deliberate circularity, you know, I don't mind circularities when it comes to science, and it goes like this. If my senses detect that my senses are affected in a certain way over and over again, then... I my then I will say that if my senses are exposed to that same thing again, it'll get the same result. Now I didn't explain that very well. I'll try again. Let's try and do it better. Um, right. Um. It's going to say uh, the scientist is going to say, if there is, a now I'm going to be politically incorrect here for fun. If I'm a Scotsman. And there is a saucepan full of boiling hot water and there is a shiny penny in that boiling hot water. I am and you know, and I reach into that boiling hot water and grab that penny out, um I am going to get scalded. And then, if every day someone puts a penny in a boiling hot a saucepan full of boiling hot water, and I keep putting my hand in to grab that penny, which I will because I'm Scotch, <laughs> um, then I will get my hand scalded every day, right? And after experimenting in this manner for a long, long time, um, I am going to say that I'm going to predict. I'm not going to say it's true that that would always happen. You know, I you know, I'm not going to say it's a truth, right? Because I'm a, I'm a Scotsman and Scots the Scots were very famous f to be for being philosophers. Um what was his name? Um um I forget. Before Kant and after um That which I said just then, you know, 
that uh, if, let's say, Chinese medicine wants to be, um, and I mean the medicine itself, not the Chinese people, if a Chinese remedy wants to be uh, considered Western, a Western medicine remedy, then it has to pass some tests that Western medicine sets for it. Yeah, and conversely, I'm sure it possibly goes the other way. If a Western medicine remedy wants to pass the test and become a Chinese remedy, um, then it has to pass whatever tests China has got um, or that the Chinese have got, you know, for something to be considered a traditional Chinese remedy. Because I'm sure Chinese, uh, the development of Chinese, traditional Chinese remedies is a continuing exercise. Yeah. Um, if the Chinese, if, if a Chinese person today uh, discovers some plant in the Amazon, the people in the Amazon have been using it, uh, they would use it, wouldn't they, as part of their overall Chinese um, you know, tool kit full of remedies. So it would be included in Chinese remedy. Okay, so everyone does that, I think. Okay, so... Uh, don't think that sounds controversial, but it reminds me of, um, you know, for example, you have someone who is a qualified doctor in India uh, and they come to Australia and they can't practice as a doctor, so they're a taxi driver for about two years whilst they pass some tests here in Australia. And I'm sure that happens in reverse too that if you are an Australian doctor and you want to go and be a doctor in India, maybe you have to drive a taxi over there for a while. And, um, and you know, and I, and, and until you pass the tests in India, you know. So these are two-way streets, you know. Um, so it just reminded me of that, you know, the, the way I said um, for Chinese, uh, traditional Chinese medicine to become Western medicine, you know, one item within traditional Chinese Western medicine to become Western medicine, it has to pass some tests. And that reminded me of the way doctors have to do that too. A Chinese doctor, if, if that Chinese doctor wants to practice in Australia as a doctor, um, then he or she uh, surely must have to pass some tests uh, to... Uh, to um, meet our standards and vice versa. If an Australian doctor wants to go to China and practice as a doctor, might uh, might have to pass some tests to you know to meet their standards. So it just reminded me of all of that, and I don't think it's a bad thing, as far as I can tell. Um, I do hear some people sort of say, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, you know, my friend is from you know Zimbabwe, and He's a trained accountant and they won't, you know, and they won't let, you know, bloody Australia won't let him work as an accountant. He's driving a taxi. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I'm going to ring the UN right now. And I sort of think, well, no, I think it's quite fine. And I think that Zimbabwe accountant would kind of understand that very well. And maybe it happens in reverse. You know, an Australian accountant might not be able to just go to Zimbabwe and just hang the uh, hang the plaque out outside the door and start doing accounting in Zimbabwe. You might have to learn the um, 
Zimbabwe tax law, law first, maybe, you know? So, yeah. All right, back to it. The type of scientist I like is one who says that I will employ my senses to measure things in order to predict what impact those things might have on my senses in the future. But I'm not going to call the results of those measurements capital T truth. So my senses are going to measure things just for their own benefit okay so for example my sin and i've used this example before um my senses i'm going to employ my senses to carry out an experiment and the experiment is going to be to test what effect stepping inside in front of a speeding train has on a person's senses all right so you've got senses such as sight hearing um, your powers of intellectual analysis you know your powers of analyzing what your senses are telling you all those sorts of things so hearing hearing smelling touching feeling you know physically feeling things right so you say i am going to carry out an experiment and then someone will say is this to discover truth and you might say no it is to, not to discover truth it's only to discover a pattern of um, cause and effect that my senses can detect in order to predict with a really good amount of certainty what will happen if I carry out that experiment again. All right, and what's the experiment, you might say? Um, and you say... Well, the experiment is I'm going to take a hundred people and I'm going to throw them in front of a train, a speeding train, one by one. Not the same speeding train. I'll wait, you know. Every time a speeding train comes along, I'll throw one person in front of it. And I will watch to see if their senses are affected in any way as far as my senses can detect, all right? And they said, oh, yeah, all right, very interesting. And so you grab the first person and the train comes along and you throw them in front and you observe that they are killed. And you say, hmm, my senses tell me that those people are no longer are feeling anything, smelling anything, hearing anything, you know, um, 
and thinking anything. They have ceased, as far as I can tell with my senses, they have sensed, they have ceased to touch. They have ceased to feel touch, to feel anything at all, and they have ceased to think. All right, and so on. They have ceased to see. They can't see anything anymore because their eyes got smashed up. Right, so you say, all right, that's interesting. I'll write that in my book. And then um, you wait for the 504 train, you know, from Sydney and throw your next victim in front of that and same result, you know. And you put that down in your book. My senses detect that their senses have stopped, you know, and so on. And you do that with 100 people in a row. And, um, and then at the end of it, you're talking to your friend and you say, I am a certain type of scientist and I have just carried out an experiment. And they said, and, and what did this, what truth did this experiment discover? And, you know, says the friend, you know, um, it, you know, they say, is it a truth that if you step in front of a speeding train, uh, you will die? Is this a universal truth in the same way, you know, that for a, a um, devout Christian God is a universal truth? Is it a universal truth that this will happen? Um, and me as a the sort of science, being the sort of scientist I like being, I'll say, no, it is not a truth that that will happen. It has happened a hundred times in a row, you know. Um, my senses have detected this. All I'm going to say is I will put money on the fact that if, if I throw you in front of a train, my friend, um, that your senses will cease as well. You will cease to think and you will cease to see, and you will cease to hear, you know, and, and so, and your friend will say, but it is a truth, and, um, and you'll say, no, it's not truth, you know, one day, someone could be thrown in front of a train, and via mechanisms I cannot imagine, uh, on the basis of my, uh, experiments so far, on the basis of what my senses have told me, but by some mechanism that is unknown to me, you may not die, um, but gee, you'd have to be a betting man. And then, as it turns out, your friend is an inveterate gambler. He can't help himself. And he says, I'll take that bet. Um, and you say, I would not do that if I were you, because um, I think you will probably die. Um, and then your friend, who is a gambler, says, yes, but you said it's not, you know, complete truth. And I said, true. I did not say. I, 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 I did not say that it was complete truth. Um, I did allow for the possibility that I could throw you in front of that train and you might survive. And then the friend says, throw me in front of that train, you know. Um... And what odds will you give me? And um, and then I say, uh, I'm the scientist now, and I say, my friend, I do not want to throw you in front of a train. I do not like to see horrible things like that. <laughs> you know, sort of ignoring it. But in, um, in the pursuit of science, you know, I, I 
did throw 100 people in front of the train, but I didn't enjoy it. I was doing that for science. You know, I suffered for science, I did. And then um, your friend says, what odds? What odds will you give me if I survive? And I say, if you lay down one dollar, I would, and you survive, I will give you a million dollars. A million dollars if you survive. And uh, your friend says, hmm, you only did a hundred tests. That's worth it. And he says, throw me in front of a train. I want, I've got a bit of a chance here. And me, and he said, you know, and the friend says to me, if you are a virtuous scientist... (laughs) You will throw me in front of a train because you know as well as me that I could possibly survive. And I said, that's true, actually. That's true. You're right, because it isn't truth that you shall die. Um, It's just commonplace, as far as I can tell, on the basis of 100 experiments, that people do die when you throw them in front of a train. It is commonplace. It is um, to be expected, but it is not uh, proven beyond all possibility you know one time it could happen by mechanisms i don't know and he says then throw me in front of a train and i say all right have you got a dollar and he says there's a shiny dollar and he puts the shiny dollar in front of me um on the seat on the train platform and then i pick him up and i throw him in front of a train and as i throw him i say listen i do hope you survive and he says so do i um, because I'll be a millionaire. And I said, yes, and I'll be happy because I don't like death. And then I throw him in front of a train and splat, you know. Oh, dear, say I, you know. And I pick up my dollar and that's the end of the episode. <laughs>